Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. Counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture. One top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. That's funny, kid, because I've been coming for you. Oh, Santa, I've been killing just for fun. Well, the party's over, kid, because I, because I got a bullet in my gun. A bullet in your what? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and happy holidays, of course. Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a podcast. I'm so glad that you're joining us this week. The holiday season is in full effect, and we're not two peas tonight, we're three peas. I had to get two others to come along with me to discuss a topic that's very near and dear to me, and I had to somehow find a way to sneak horror into the holiday season, and I did it. We're doing our holiday horror films tonight, our favorites. I have two guys that fit this category perfectly, and I'm so excited to see the movies that they've chosen and what they have to say about those films. Potentially a lot of crossover, but that's okay. Let's meet the other two on the panel. You know, I say I'm a horror guy, but I'm nothing compared to these guys. These guys are horror guys, okay? I I aspire to be the horror guy that these two dudes are. First up, uh, and they're regulars on the show. They've been on quite a few times. First up is Jeff from Cadavercast. He's back on the show. Jeff, what's up, man? How are you? Not too bad man just in the middle of uh finals week so i'm you know neck deep in you know great in screenplays and melting my eyeballs out of my skull doing so (laughs) we'll give you a little break from that we could talk about some festive horror movies tonight so hopefully that'll help you out a little bit there but thanks so much for coming back man i love having you on the show thanks for having me absolutely and then one of the best dudes in the world that i'm tight with in real life and he's been on the show many times as well a great podcasting friend of mine justin you know him from the epic film guys he's back what's up brother how are you I'm absolutely fantastic. I started my evening off with the wife getting Christmas candles at Bath mm. and Body Works. I have my super coffee white chocolate peppermint in my hand and ready to talk horror. I can't wait. I'm always happy to be here, Gerald, and I appreciate. I'm so thankful uh, that you that you extended your hand to me and bring me along in this sleigh of blood and gore. Uh, it's my favorite thing in the world. I, you know, aside from Halloween, yeah. I love holiday horror movies so right up my alley baby well cool man yeah thanks for being here you know we kind of snuck you in there at the last minute but i'm so glad that you were able to make it happen man it's just thrilling for me when you come on the show and i've mentioned this before but when you come on and horror is related in some way it's just like 10 times better man so well yeah i mean especially here. considering i'm usually in bed by 9 30 <laughs> even on a friday night so this gave me a reason to stay awake. There Thank you go. Thank you very much. There you go. You're doing it for me, man, and I really appreciate it. So Jeff and Justin are both here. We're going to be talking about our holiday horror films. Now, I should mention at the top here, just so everyone knows, we decided collectively that we are including any holiday, not just 
the Christmas season, but any holiday with the exception of Halloween. Uh, we are excluding Halloween just because I had a whole month of Halloween-themed episodes, and I feel like that list, if you if you included Halloween, I mean, we kind of know where we're going, right, guys? So we kind of <laughs> left that one off to the side, and perhaps we'll come back around to that one next year. But we are including any other holiday with the exception of Halloween. So with that being said, Jeff, I'll start with you, man. What do you think? I mean, what is it about the Christmas season that makes guys like us just salivate for for death? What do you think about the holiday horror movie, man? Why is it important to you? I think it's because it's so like diametrically opposed to the way that most people look at Christmas, you know, the the whole holiday season being like pure and sweet and it's snowy and there's Santa Claus and polar bears and whatever the hell, but mm-hmm. You know, snow being all white, it's kind of perfect for coating it in blood. Yeah. I, well, I love blood in the snow imagery anyway, so I'm here for it. Justin, what about you, man? I mean, don't give away any titles. I know you, dude, and I see what you're wearing uh, tonight. I see what uh, you're wearing this evening. See, but I'm, go I'm ahead. so glad. I'm so thankful for you. You know me so well. You know that I was about to start that off with a quote from one of these movies. Uh-huh. But no, I'm not going to punish you too hard, Gerald. <laughs> um. All no, right. for real though. Um, I think there's always been like this this spooky darkness to the Christmas season, especially as a kid. The thought of uh, Santa Claus coming in your house in the middle of the night, a stranger basically uh, to give you gifts. There's there's something kind of terrifying about that. So even as a kid, I'd be both terrified and excited at the same time mm-hmm. with the thought that this you know red shadowy figure was going to be walking around my house on Christmas. Yeah. So th- there's just something spooky about it. There always have been even Christmas music. Some of the songs, some of the notes that are played are very eerie as well so just, i just love it mix mixing it together is just it's too perfect yeah you're right man both you guys nailed it i mean you know for me you guys said it perfectly but it's just that juxtaposition right because it's such a happy time of year and it's a happy season everybody's caroling in the streets and buying gifts and it's so festive you know and then you juxtapose that with just this mayhem and tomfoolery and in a lot of cases murder <laughs> And it just really kind of, they just butt heads so well that it's almost like you just have to do it, you know? And it has become a subgenre that I love. And they're, they're, it's really cool, too, because there are movies that you could very, very easily watch in the Halloween season. And you could also very easily watch them, obviously, in the Christmas season. Did you guys venture off a little bit in your respective list uh, from the Christmas season? Jeff, do you have anything from other holidays in there without giving away any titles? Okay, so my first go at this list was four Christmas movies mm-hmm. and then one other. And I was like, that just, there's so many other holidays. So it just doesn't seem fair to the other holidays. <laughs> so for my main list, my top five, I limited myself to one movie per holiday. Oh, bravo. To get real dude. weird. Bravo. Bravo. Uh, I did the opposite thing. I want to hear from you too, Justin. But just to piggyback on what you're saying, Jeff, that's so funny and ironic to me because I did the opposite thing. I had so many movies that were kind of all over the the calendar and I said, you know what? I'm going to make sure my five are Christmas. (laughs) (laughs) So all the other holidays pretty much are in my honorable mentions. Justin, what about you, man? Did you venture out a little bit? Yeah, I'm completely different from the two of you. Originally, I said I want one from each holiday that I love 
And then I was like, no, I want to do all Christmas because it's the Christmas season and I'm in the Christmas spirit. And then I was just like, no, I'm just going to pick my top five based on the movies that I love the most regardless. All right. Um, and try to and try to make mix it up a little bit. I mean, you know, it's not going to be fair either way. And some of these are interchangeable when we get to honorable mentions, but it is what it is. This is going to be the list for tonight. I love it, man. <laughs> yeah. I love it. All right, dudes, I'm excited. So we're going to be counting on our top five holiday horror films. And like I said at the top, it can be any holiday with the exception of Halloween. And we're going to do that right now. We're in the pipe. Five by five. Jeff, you want to get us started, brother? What is your number five holiday horror film? All right. My number five is maybe it's probably the best film on my list. But uh, it kind of got bumped down because I don't really watch it on the holiday that it celebrates. And uh, that holiday is May Day, which is celebrated in 1973's The Wicker Man. Well done. I have... The Wicker Man, I have another movie that I'm going to talk about here in a little bit that harkens back to this. Why do you love this movie, man? Oh, man. You know, so like as a teenager... Uh, I went to, you know, like this Southern Baptist kind of like backwoods church, you know, all fire and brimstone and, you know, people praying for me all the time or whatever. And so, like, then I started watching all these movies about witchcraft and witchery. And I was like, no, I kind of get this instead. This makes more sense to me. And when I saw The Wicker Man, it was like, I, I got it. Like, I understood it. I was like, those are my people. I get them. And then everybody talks about it being a horror movie. And I'm like, I guess. I mean, yeah, <laughs> sounds like a good time. I don't know where the horror comes in. Um, yeah, this is a good one, man. It's a classic. It's a classic. Justin, you a fan of this one? Um, I've only actually seen it maybe twice in my entire life. Okay. Um, but the last I remember watching it, I was at a thing that I used to do back home in New York called Cult Movie Thursdays at the Bundy. It was a museum, and we would screen movies, cult movies, and we screened it, and I liked it. But that was like eight years ago, so yeah. I can't really comment on it as of right this moment, other than I remember liking it. Yeah, same here. I, you know, it was cool that you kind of led with it the way you did, Jeff, because I'm kind of in a similar boat as you are when you kind of introduced this pick. Is that I know it's good and I remember enjoying it, but I do not watch it often enough. You know, would probably be the best way to put it. I just have I've only seen it a handful of times, and it's been a long time since I saw it. And especially not on May Day. You know, I don't I don't think that I've never thought of that. <laughs> right, it's May Day. It's sort of Wicker Man, right? Uh, okay, Justin, you're up, man. Uh, epic film guy over there. So I know you got some films to talk about. What's your number five holiday horror film, buddy? Grandpa said Santa Claus is gonna punish me. You've made it through Halloween, Gerald. Now try to survive Christmas. Number five. It's a eh? film that's very near and dear to my heart. But again, this making this list was very difficult for me. This is a film that we've covered on our Epic Film Guys B-Side segment a few years back. Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. Mm -hmm. Yeah, love it, man. You, we Now we can talk about your shirt. So you, you have it on your shirt there this evening. So you came dressed for the occasion. This is on my list, too. So there'll be a little bit of crossover for me. So I don't want to say too much. But I know you love it, man. So what, what's some of your favorite things about this film, buddy? Um, well, my first interaction with the film, of course, was being a young child at my grandfather's house around the Christmas season and the History Channel doing the History of Santa Claus documentary and them showing the controversy that was caused from the mothers and the families picketing outside of the theaters, which is why the theater only lasted in cinemas uh, maybe a total of two weeks 
back in 1984. I immediately was super intrigued by this film, and it wasn't until I was an adult when I watched it. And now it's become a yearly staple in my household, and we actually screened it last year at Alamo Draft House, and I was in full costume with the axe bloody and all. It's just, oh, nice. there's something special, uh, as we discussed earlier on in the introduction, about mixing the macabre with the holiday spirit. I just absolutely love it. I agree, man. It's coming up on my list too, so you know I'm in I'm in lockstep with you. So Silent Night, Deadly Night is getting your list started at number five. My number five is much more modern. It just came out a couple years ago, and it this movie blindsided me. I fell in love with this movie. And another reason why I wanted to make sure I mention it uh, on tonight's list is because it fits the brief, but I feel like it's underseen too. And I've shouted it out actually on a couple different shows we've done, but it's been a while since it's came up on my show. But it's Anna and the Apocalypse mm. from 2007. All right. I love this movie, man. And I think the reason I love it is because it's a musical and I hate musicals. And I really dug this movie, man. It really got me. I love the songs in it. It's got, you know, the titular Anna, who's a high school kid who just wants to get out of this boring town that she lives in. She has a couple really cool friends and they have a nice little click. And what kind of sidetracks her plan to get out of this town is a zombie apocalypse. And come on, guys. You got a teenage girl who's kicking ass, taking zombies out in the streets during this winter wonderland kind of landscape with these great songs. It's set during Christmas time. Uh, I love this movie, man. A lot of really cool zombie imagery and practical effects in this movie as well. So if you haven't seen Anna and the Apocalypse, I want to say it's actually streaming right now. I think either on Hulu or Prime or perhaps both. But you should check it out this holiday season if you haven't seen it. Have either of you guys checked this one out? I liked it. I actually <laughs> was one of the lucky people out there that went and saw it in the theater. Oh, cool. Because our good boy, Loisos, the god of podcasting, uh, saw it at a film festival and absolutely adored it. Oh, good. So I went I went to our local cinema opening night and there was like two people in there. Um, and, I, and I liked it. I understand the love for it. I think the songs are okay. And mm. I do love musicals um i could see why people would really enjoy it but i don't love it nearly as much as you gerald that's cool man i you know like i said i I did all five christmas too so this one may have been a little further down my list had i not done that it would have still been in my top 10 though because it did just hit me really hard and i i don't know i always give higher marks to a musical when i like it because i do not like them typically like la la land was one of my favorite films of the decade because I really enjoyed that, and it just surprised me, because when I see the term musical, I don't think I'm going to like it. Uh, and I did, and I ended up liking Anna and the Apocalypse as well. Jeff, have you seen this one yet? Yeah, I have. Um, I watched it last year for the first time, I think, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed it quite a bit. I mean, I think I'm sort of in the same boat of, I liked it. I didn't love it, um, but I have <laughs> you been... You guys are just being nice to me, that's fine. <laughs> no, I've actually <laughs> recommended it to people uh, this oh, year, in fact, because I have a couple friends who are working on movies that have, like, screen uh, screenplays that are similar, sort of, structurally, and uh, I'm like, you guys gotta watch this, because, like, you can learn a lot from this thing. Right, right. Well, cool. I, I love the soundtrack, too. I bumped the soundtrack. So uh, thanks for not braiding me too much, guys. But that's my number five <laughs> to get us started there, Hand in the Apocalypse. Listen, Gerald, I, I'm doing Sober November. You know damn well that if I wasn't doing that, that I'd be berating oh, the hell out yeah. of you right this moment. So yeah. ten more days, baby. Ten more days. Then let All me right. come back on and berate you again. I was going to say, I'm glad we recorded this in November, I guess. So you take it easy <laughs> on me. <laughs> All right, Jeff, you're up next, man. What's your number four, buddy? All right. My number four, we're going to Easter. This time around with Critters 2, the main course. Yes! <laughs> Nicely done, buddy. Because, oh man, what a sequel. It shouldn't be as good as it is, but 
I'll be damned if Critters 2 isn't a near masterpiece. It is so good. It's so funny. It's got wild gore. You got the Easter eggs. You know, the critter eggs are painted like Easter eggs, and then they jump inside the crotch of the Easter bunny and eat him. A plus. Yeah, great creature effects, man. Good flick. A great sequel. I mean, you know, they really outdid themselves with that sequel. I love this movie. Justin, I heard you cheering over there. You're a fan of this one? Oh, of course, yeah. Usually around the Easter time, the wife and I watch it. She enjoys that one a little bit more than the first one, even though we're huge fans of the original, just because the lighter tongue-in-cheek tone of the second one. That, and I'm all about anything that Mick Garris ever did, even his Mm -hmm. stuff that isn't very good, I still love. So, yeah, yeah, man, Critters 2 rules. Yeah, great pick, Jeff. Uh, Another one, you you got my, you know, your list, Jeff, you do this to me every time where you you give me the movies. I'm like, oh, God damn, that is a great movie. I haven't seen it in so long. And that's another one that I haven't seen in way too many years. I need to revisit it. Uh, Great pick, man. There, Critters 2 is your number four. Justin, my boy over there, man, what do you got? What's your four, man? Well, I'm going to dig into my back pocket into the late 90s. You know me well. You know this is probably coming here. If you're going to bury the truth, make sure it stays buried. I should rip my shirt open. If I had breasts, I would bounce around and scream, What are you waiting for? But I don't have any. So it's 1997's I Know What You Did Last Summer, which takes place on 4th of July. I know it's not on a lot of people's holiday horror lists, but dude, I watch it literally every 4th of July and I have for as long as I can remember. So um, it's one of my favorite 90s slashers. I love Jennifer Love Hewitt. I love the cast in this one. I think it's one of the best 90s horror movies ever. Um, what else can I say? I'm, I'm a sucker for 90s, late 90s teen slashers. I love this movie, man. I I mean, come on, dude. Jennifer Love Hewitt and the, <laughs> and the tank top bouncing around the street. I mean, that alone... <laughs> Uh, yes. So let's watch that every July, please. I also got to meet Muse Watson a few years ago when I went to our buddy Kenny's Halloween party at the Myers house. Here oh, in North yeah, Carolina. that's right. That's right. Um, and he's a he's a huge fan of the film as well. Yeah, he's a great dude, man. He was really cool. And uh, just kind of wandering around talking to fans. And it was a blast. But yeah, this is a good one, man. And this is one that I have another, you know, quote unquote, July 4th film that I'm going to talk about. And I didn't want to get, you know, I didn't want to put a bunch of July 4th movies. But I do think about this one as a July 4th movie. So I'm right there with you, Justin. You like this one too, Jeff? I have not seen it in so many years. But like it is one that I look back on fondly as having watched about a hundred times in high school. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And I, I totally forgot that it's a 4th of July movie because it's been, I mean, easily... 17 years since i've seen it so man i think uh this next july break that one out please do yeah i I think you should as well you know i know what you did last summer came on the heels of scream right so it was kind of right after that rebirth and kind of renaissance began for horror in the mid to late 90s so and this is one of the great entries you know there was a lot of duds that kind of came (laughs) out after scream that were kind of like wannabes if you will and i even like the duds Gerald. yeah i do too i do too (laughs) Truth, truth truth be told I do too, man. So I know what you did last summer, buddy, is uh, your number four. Good pick. I didn't see that one coming, Justin. You surprised me. There. Yeah, I had to throw it in there, man. I just, over and over the last couple of years, I just love that movie more and more. Needs more love, man. Yeah, Needs more love. it does. And uh, like Jeff said, it's definitely one that, that I like to throw on uh, July 4th. And I'll be doing that again this upcoming July. So my number four is a classic from the 80s, 1984. The legendary Joe Dante's Gremlins. Mm-hmm. Is my number four, guys. The epitome of a horror comedy, if you ask me. Uh, and it's kind of cool because it's kind of like 
yeah, let's watch it with the kids. But then it's kind of like, I don't know if we should watch it with the kids. But it's really cool because it's kind of like it just really toes that line really well. In fact, Jeff, I'll ask you, has Al seen Gremlins? Yeah, it was our uh, first Christmas episode we ever did. So, uh, And I didn't hear that episode, so how did that go? Uh, I mean, he we watch it constantly. So, I mean, even when it's <laughs> not it. Christmas, I mean, it's fair game for viewing any day. Hell yeah, man. You know, Don't get them wet. Keep them out of bright light and don't feed them after midnight because they're going to fuck some shit up if you do. Uh, I love Gremlins, man. And I mean, Gizmo, one of the cutest th- things to ever come out of cinema. I-, I know everybody's Baby Yoda now, but come on, guys. That started in 84 <laughs> with Gizmo. I mean, that was Baby Dude, Yoda got, in the 80s. I got my Gizmo. My Gizmo sitting right on the couch. But I have to say, Gerald, you probably know what's going to come out of my mouth next, say it. don't you? Say it. It's not a horror movie. I know you're no, going to no, do No, 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 no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, there. Well, well, you're close. <laughs> I could not. I love Gremlins so, so much. It would immediately push everything off my list. And yes, there are very strong horror elements. We know the movie started off as a straight horror film. It wasn't until they realized how much the budget was going to be when they're like, let's make this poor family friendly. And then Gizmo was pushed to the forefront. I love it, but there is a little bit of a family feel to it. It is a horror comedy, but Mm -hmm. it is safe enough to show your kids. And I wanted to be a badass, bloodthirsty horror fan on this episode. (laughs) So I specifically left it off. So um, It's funny you say that because I actually left it off initially, too. I made this list about a week ago, and it wasn't on there. And uh, I watched it very recently, just a few days ago. And I'm like, you know, I mean, when it comes to Christmas... And like you said, there's horror elements in there. It's a horror comedy. I mean, let's just say it's a horror comedy. And I don't know. I just I felt like dirty not including it on my list because I love it so much and because I watch it every year and it's the epitome of a horror comedy to me. It's It does both of those things so well, I think. And the effects that they were able to accomplish and Joe Tante performed in the, in the mid-80s there were just <laughs> astounding. You know, and I, I, did, I did hear the background where it was shot or it was intended to be shot much more like a hardcore horror film, which I would, would have loved to have seen that version too. But also I'm thinking in the next year or two, I'll be able to show this to my young son. So there's something to be said for that too. It, you know, it, it has great a sp- gateway movie. Special, great yeah, gateway yeah, yeah, movie. It has a special 100%. place to be able to do that for sure. So Gremlins is my number four. And uh, we're, we're going through it, guys. We're swinging over to Jeff for his three. What do you got at number three, man? Oh, boy. So number three, there are not too many Thanksgiving horror movies, mm-hmm. but uh, this one is by far my favorite, so much so that last year I watched all three cuts of the movie in less than a week building up to Thanksgiving, which is 1987's Blood Rage. It's a good one. I've only seen Fantastic it one time, choice. but I love it. It's Fantastic so, choice. so sleazy. Spoiler weird. alert. That's actually the next episode on our show. I don't Ooh, know when this is getting released, but well, this will be a out spoiler December, alert. So I think you're good. So you're okay, going for yep, Thanksgiving. So, All right. That's right. Yep. It's coming out for Thanksgiving. Nice. Great pick, man. Yeah. I mean, it's like so weird and cheap and it's like, uh, it feels like a movie made in Florida for about 500 bucks, you know? And it's got, <laughs> I mean, just like the, um, it's not cranberry sauce as a catchphrase yeah. is sure. ludicrous. Like, yeah. oh, man, everything is what? right and wrong with it all at once. And why are there not more horror movies about people snapping on their family at Thanksgiving? I mean, okay. you would think that would be yeah. like a saturated market. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe after this year, you know, once, yeah, once we get out of COVID <laughs> times, everybody's had enough of their families. Oh, man. I, you know, true. Uh, I would have come clean with you 
with well, both you guys really, but you two, you especially, Jeff. I've only seen this once, and I saw I came to it very late. I saw this about three or four years ago, roughly, for the first time, and I haven't seen it since. But I did love it, uh, and I'm I'm gonna revisit. I'm actually it's funny that you mentioned it because I'm actually thinking about revisiting it for Thanksgiving this year. Oh and man, some other movies, some other movies I don't want to give away titles for, but I have a few days off of work leading up to Thanksgiving because I took some um, time off from work because I'm gonna lose it if I don't use it by the end of the year, and I'm thinking about watching some of these. Uh, yes, Gerald, you need to make it a yearly staple yeah, in your yes, holiday I think you're collection. Right. 100%. I did a few years back and I've not regretted it since. I can't wait to actually sit down and do our full review. It's supposed to be a surprise whatever this comes out after the fact. It so if you're be. listening to this, go listen to our Epic Film Guys B-side full retrospective on the film. It's going to be a blast. Yeah, it's a, it's a spoiler for me because now I know I'm going to watch it so that I can be up to date when I listen to you and Lloyd break it down. So that's a great little incel there, buddy. Thank you so much. Of course. Justin, Justin, I know what you did last summer. You put it at number four, but what did you do at your number three? <laughs> I tried to do something witty there that didn't work. But what's, oh, what's nice segue you got there. Well, our good friend Jeff sitting there, he's already sporting it on his chest. This Christmas, you better believe in Santa or he'll slay you. It's 1980s Christmas Evil. I have admired and adored this movie for so, so many years, and it definitely gets a a huge lack of love in the horror community and the film community as well. Um, I know it's considered a cult movie, um, but even the small group of people that I'm aware of that love these movies um, are not big fans of this one. I've tried to convert the sauce, and he just does not see the appeal. Um, There's something extremely strange about this movie however out of all the movies on this list regarding the holiday of christmas i think it has the most christmas spirit at its core um considering that our main character harry who's actually played by none other than fiona apple's real life dad he's obsessed He's obsessed with Santa Claus because when he was a kid, he saw his dad dressed as Santa Claus molesting his mom. Mm. There you go. So later on in life, I might stab a dude in the eye. Um, But it's extremely creepy. Uh, There's a lot of voyeurism going on in the film. I love the score to the film. I love the stalking that goes on in the movie. It is horror, make no mistake. But there's this really strange, like, psychological thriller element to it as well. It's kind of hard to put a a title as far as genre on it. But I don't know, Jeff, do you have anything else you would say about it? I'm not sure if this is coming up on your list or not. It is. So maybe I could talk about it then. (laughs) <laughs> you want to hold right, on yeah. to the, I don't know how All right, you hold off, be. baby. You hold off. But yeah, this has got to be on my list. I mean, uh, up until this year, I've been able to watch it in theaters every single Christmas for the past five years, which I'm extremely proud of. This year, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> so I'm just going to have to going to have to settle with the Blu-ray this year. Yeah. Uh, 2020 is really making things kind of crazy. Am I right? Especially for our movie watching abilities, guys. But uh, Christmas Evil from 1980, right? 80? That's correct. Yes. Yep, 1980 is your number three. My number three, again, Justin, you know I do this to avoid a shit ton of crossover with you, so I'm going a little more modern, okay? I'm going to 2015 with Krampus as my number three from Michael Doherty, who infamously did Trick or Treat, which is one of my favorite Halloween films, an anthology film. But he also did Krampus. It's got Tony Collette in it, Adam Scott, two actors that I absolutely adore. And Krampus is like prime lore for horror, especially for holiday horror. It's just like a perfect kind of historical story that can be used to just scare the shit out of people. And I feel like that he did it right. There was a lot of kind of ambiguity in this film. It doesn't really show a lot uh, in terms of, you know, I won't even call them kills because they're 
more or less like being captured really by Krampus. So it leaves a lot to the imagination, but much like in Trick or Treat, because if you think about that movie that Doherty did, it's very similar. There's not a lot of on-screen murder in his films, uh, at least to date. But I love Krampus because, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of movies that kind of center around this character of Krampus. And I, just, I, I, I there's a lot of them that I do enjoy different parts of, but I feel like from beginning to end, Michael Doherty's film was the best kind of like telling of that story in a very creepy kind of ominous but at the same time not in your face over like stuffing it down your throat and I really enjoyed it so what do you guys think of Krampus I want to hear oh man I love it I saw it in the theater it was oh it was cold man my it's in like a a transit black hole here in Chicago Mm -hmm. that particular theater so Mm -hmm. we had to walk a long way in the freezing cold to see it and did not regret it everybody else in the theater seemed to hate it I don't know what their deal was but like (laughs) to my mind when when I look back on Christmas in these years like 2015 you know uh, 2020 like this that whole this whole decade this movie captures exactly what Christmas feels like nowadays. You know, very yeah. the divisiveness, you know, or of like politics and, you know, being surrounded by people that you just can't stand because like the, the political divide is so strong. And right. man, yeah, and it's mean and it's weird. And like the, the creature effects are fantastic. Is it as good as Trick or Treat? I mean, I don't know that many people think it's as good as Trick or Treat, but as as far as I'm concerned, Doherty could make a horror movie for every single holiday, and I would I would eat it all up. Yeah, same here. Justin, are you a fan of Krampus? Well, just like Jeff said, I saw it opening night, totally empty theater, and I remember two of the kids in front of me getting up before I left, and they were like, that was all right. Of course, <laughs> I love this movie. I'm a huge Michael Doherty fan, and you probably forgot this, Gerald, but... Krampus was one of the first B-sides that myself and the almighty Loisaus did on the Epic oh, Film Guys no. podcast. Oh, I need to go I back almost, and listen yeah, to Yeah, I almost then. forgot, dude. I almost forgot that we did that because it was like five years ago or something or whenever the film came out. But yes, everything you said and Jeff said, uh, just piggybacking off of that, the practical effects, the mood, the atmosphere, the Krampus imagery is absolutely breathtaking. Um, you just don't see movies like that made anymore. And Doherty has the perfect perfect eye for details. Unfortunately, uh, just don't let him make a Godzilla movie. I'll just say that much right there. But other than that, um, (laughs) his track record is on point for me. And yes, I watch that one every single year. Spoiler alert, it's another one that I left off the list because if I included that, then I would have have to include Gremlins because obviously you can see the huge influence that that Gremlins had on Krampus. So I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, to be fair, I had to push them both aside, but I love them both. And yes, Krampus is a Amazing. So fantastic pick. Thanks, man. Yeah. Another thing I want to mention about it before we move on real quick, too, is I love in Krampus how Doherty spent the time to really, and of course, a lot goes to the actor's credit as well, but spent the time to really create the connection to a lot of the characters in that movie because it's really a family story. And then you have this kind of fucked up Krampus story going on as almost like a subplot almost. Because kind of like what Jeff said, when you're with these people at the holidays, usually you don't want to be there with them, but they're your family. It's like we can't escape our family. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But they spent a really, a really great, I thought it was a really great effort by Doherty's part and it worked for me to really connect the audience to the characters in that movie as opposed to just being like, here's a Christmas horror movie. We're just going to throw a bunch of like, you know, horror related shit at you and hope you enjoy it. He really spent the time to invest you in the characters, I thought, and it worked for me personally. So That's correct. And one last thing I'll have to say about it. I view it as, look at 
Christmas Vacation, smush it in with Gremlins, and add the mm. Krampus lore over it. There you go. There's your movie. Yeah. 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 He, he, know, he knows he's pulling on your nostalgia heartstrings there by making it feel like those movies. So those archetypal characters are there, but you can't help but love them. Yeah, I agree. All right, so Krampus is my number three, and we are up to our runner-ups, guys. Jeff, you're up first, man. What's your number two holiday horror film? All right, my number two is the original 1981 My Bloody Valentine. Mm-hmm. Which, oh, uh, well, I guess we have a crossover here. <laughs> hey, it's okay. Going back to what we were talking about with Krampus, loving the people, the characters in My Bloody Valentine for a slasher from like 1980, 81. Like, they're all really human. They're charming. They're likable. They all seem like friends. The movie's got this wonderful location with the mines that you don't see used in other movies, rightly so, because it's really dangerous and stupid to film in mines like that. But they did it. You got all the wild accents from the people in Nova Scotia, some of them really, really thick accents. But, like, as far as slashers go, I think this is right up near the top of the heap. Yeah, 100%. I, I I did an episode, I think, a few years ago with Fear from Fearcast. It was top 10 slashers, and this was most definitely in my top five. There was no way around it. I absolutely adore this movie with all my heart. I remember the first time I watched it, and I was absolutely blown away. Everything you said, the, the kids, which aren't really kids, they're young adults, they mm-hmm. all feel extremely real, relatable. I think it's the first slasher up until that point where you really feel like you could relate to these people, like they could be people in your town. Um, mm-hmm. They're just mm-hmm. acting like normal human beings they're not over the top in any way they're just having a fun you know friday night you just want to go out and have a few drinks you know this small town feel to it and everything and the iconic nature of the imagery of harry warden with the miner's costume on and the pickaxe it's it's such a shame to this day that we never got any sequels to this movie i'm i'm also an avid fan of the remake i get why people don't like it but i like that as well i don't i Um, fucking love it i was gonna actually wait till you guys were done I was going to mention that the 2009 movie, I mean, you know, I'm not going to do sacrilege or whatever, but I thought I'm like, wow, this is fucking awesome. Like, well, dude, you can't beat a movie where Tom Atkins gets a pickaxe up through his face. Hell yeah. You can't beat that, right? Uh, So good, man. I mean, as far as remakes go, and I know you guys are mentioning the 81 film, which I adore as well. But as far as remakes go, I mean, I don't know if they could have done any better. It was modernized with the times. They did the whole 3D thing, you know, with the special effects, which I didn't get to see it in 3D. I saw it at home. I didn't see it in the theater. Bro, when that came out, I hated 3D. But our theater didn't have 3D yet. That's how early that movie came out in the way of when 3D films were released. I drove an hour and a half to Syracuse just to see it opening night in fucking 3D, and I was blown away. Hell That's yeah. how 3D works, man. I want to see gimmicky shit thrown at the screen. I want to see a pickaxe thrown at my face. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like that's that's what it's all about. So I yeah. keeping but keeping the remake aside though. Yeah, sure. You cannot dispute the fact that My Bloody Valentine is one of the best slashers ever made. It's one of the most original, and it's one that I keep. Keep coming back to every single February. So that's Jeff's runner up from 81. Is that your on your list, Justin? Did you want that's that my your, number two, man? That's, that's your my number, number two, two as well. Yeah. Okay. All right. So there you go. You guys matching up not only Sinking the same up. film, but this the same number. So well, we're getting into crossover territory here, which I knew was bound to happen, but my number two has already been mentioned. It's Silent Night, Deadly Night from 1984. I absolutely adore this movie for really all the reasons that Justin already mentioned. But this is a movie that 
was way ahead of its time because you read about it now, and this was in 84, so we're in 2020, guys, and you read about it, and it's like, you know, it only ran in the theaters for like a week because everybody was, you know, picketing in the streets, and they couldn't believe that, you know, and you watch it, and you go, what the fuck, what? <laughs> like, why was this such a, you know, with what we see today? So in that respect, I feel like it was really ahead of its time because it really was pushing that envelope by taking these images that were really childlike and were really innocent and turning them into something and morphing them into something very different and very evil. And it was done beautifully, you know, from a practical effects standpoint. And, you know, I, I know I've, I've talked about this on the show before, actually not even on this show. I think I was on Paul's show over on the countdown, but I was talking to him about 80s horror movies and I mentioned it. But this movie also had really, really early signs of like artistic kills on screen, uh, you know, particularly when the uh, young woman gets put through the deer antlers in the one scene. Yep, Linnea Quigley, baby. Yeah, Linnea Quigley as Horror well. Horror yeah. icon. Absolutely, man. And she's always topless, of course, which is great. God bless her. <laughs> um, no no yep. exception here. But, you know, that harkens to, like, my love of, like, you know, Ari Aster now, you know, where he'll do a, a kill, but he doesn't just give you a kill. It's like a fucking, like, art masterpiece. You know what I mean? And you started to kind of see little hints of that um, in movies Look like at you, this Gerald. Look at you finding artistic value in yeah. Silent Night, Deadly Night. I mean, God, I do, I man. I do, man. <laughs> oh, you know, and I know I sound I mean, like no, it's there. Weirdo, but. But no, yeah. man, you're you're finding something that's probably that was probably meant to be there, but no one saw it in this trash '84 slasher movie about right. a killer Santa. You saw something there that was meant to be there, and right. God, I love you for it. The, and that's the one with Lana that jumps out. But I mean, there were a few that were like really beautifully done. I thought, and then if you're talking about from an effects standpoint too, were obviously awesome for '80s effects. But yeah, you know, I mean, <laughs> the one scene that just sticks in my mind forever. When the bullies are coming down the hill on the sled, oh, he man. takes the head off, and then the sled ends up at the bottom <laughs> of the hill headless, you know. And his buddy's like, oh. Uh, I just love it, man. I mean, you know, Justin nailed it, too, perfectly. But, I mean, come on, dude. You have a traumatized kid that grows up, puts on a Santa costume, snaps, and just starts killing everyone. Now, that is, for a horror fan, gold. And I thought they did it beautifully in 1984. So, that's also on my list as my number two. I'm feeling good, guys. We're, we're looking good over here. We're up to our number ones. Getting into a little bit of crossover territory, but we'll see what we do here. So, Jeff, you have the honor of giving us your number one first, man. What's your number one holiday horror film? Despite the fact that I basically spoiled it earlier, uh, I'll still talk about it nonetheless, which yeah, is... Yeah, of course. Sorry, I probably spoiled it for you. I'm I mean, sorry. You know, I'm sorry. Yeah. Eh. I mean, I've talked about it on other shows. I was on uh, Horrorversary uh, recently talking about it. So, like, I gush over this movie constantly christmas evil is to my mind uh, and uh, justin you put it very well it is so christmas it is christmas to its core like in in terms of christmas spirit it's like the love of christmas the the youthful um joy that getting toys in the you know christmas morning brings but it's also got the dark side of christmas represented you know it's got the gross capitalism and the hypocrisy that comes out of people at the holidays, you know, uh, holiday time here in the U.S. You know, and we don't have like Krampus, right? We don't have Krampus here. So we don't have kids scared of, you know, monsters throwing them in sacks. It's just maybe Santa won't bring you, you know, the G.I. Joe you wanted or whatever. You know, uh, the, the scariest thing, I guess, is like maybe you missed out on the Black Friday deals or something. I, we just don't have like we, we are the scary part of Christmas. And this movie, it, it challenges everybody. 
you know, it's like you you don't get it. None of you in the audience get it. You're all buying into the merchandising, you know, the the capitalism. And I won't say that I'm any different, but man, the movie's so weird and mean and fun. It's like it's joyous and magical and bloody and strange. And he's and yeah, he stalks children in this movie. Like, right. That's. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> right. And we love it. <laughs> What's wrong with us? No, yeah, man. It's a great, it's a great pick. A little crossover there with Justin. Christmas Evil, another one. Thanks, dudes, that I have to revisit. I will be doing so this year. I will correct that. It's been many, many years I saw it. So I'll be correcting that this year. But that's your number one, Jeff. Mm-hmm. So that is your that's your Christmas pick because you did do that. You did a different um, holiday for each for each pick there. So yeah. you're, fe- you're festive. We're in December. You're putting your Christmas one at number one. Yeah, and I mean, like, I love everything. Everything that you guys have talked about, I mean, my original list had Gremlins and Krampus and Silent Night, Deadly Night, you know, um, that had uh, Black Christmas. Like, it was just like, it was like all Christmas movies, like, cycling in and out. And I was like, no, I got to do one, just one. And this is, this is the only choice for me. Well, I I really respect you doing that. That was, I I don't know that I could have done that, but I'm so glad you did. And it's also interesting to know that Jeff from Cadavercast's, like, go-to Christmas horror movie is Christmas Evil. I like that. And that makes me really... I really love that. Yeah, I, I we're we're immediately best friends now because of this. Like I said, <laughs> I'm not even joking to you. Even when I've gone to see this movie in theaters, most of the people like either before or afterward, like during discussions outside having a beer, I don't hear anyone gushing over it. They're there to see it or they've seen it or whatever, but I've never met any hardcore, hardcore fans of it outside of like the internet. You yeah. know what I mean? So right. I, I commend you for that. Like I did not expect number one to see you show up with a, one of the shirts on, let alone have it be your number one. So this literally made my night. So I'm, thank you. I'm glad I could do that awesome. for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's great, man. That's great. All right. So that's Jeff's number one. Uh, Justin, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say we probably have the same number one, but I'm going to let you go first, man. What's your number one holiday horror film? You know what my number one is, don't you? How many times I, have I talked about this movie? Pretty sure on I On your do. show? Uh, I've talked about it in our top five women of horror episode, actually. You did. And uh, yeah, you did. Go ahead. I want you to do it. You want you to say it. Okay. If this I don't movie doesn't make your, if this movie doesn't make your skin crawl, it's on too tight. <laughs> Uh, that's right. Bob Clark's 1974 classic, Chris- The Innovator, Black Christmas. Mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say A Christmas Story. <laughs> <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. Uh, hey, hey, listen, if we, if we didn't have Black Christmas, we probably would never have had Christmas Story or Porky's. But um, yes, my, my love of this movie, um, I, I can't state it enough. And I came to this one much later. Uh, mm-hmm. I won't even try to lie about that. Halloween has always been my favorite horror movie, Um, but it wasn't until I was in my early 20s when I discovered this movie and really dug deep into it. And wow, man, it's still to this day outside of the horror arena, if you will, completely underrated and underappreciated and understood as, well, the movie that kind of helped create the the American slasher genre, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. even though it didn't really do gangbusters it didn't do much at all if anything at all but people that loved film back then that did see it they knew it and it was influential to them now a lot of my friends that are huge giallo fans huge italian horror fans claim that it was kind of like a canadian version of one of those which i can (laughs) definitely see some of the imagery there but it is what it is i think it's one of the best horror movies ever made Mm -hmm. one of the best christmas horror movies ever made and i watch it every single year it's extremely fucking creepy to this day some of the shit in this movie you could show somebody now and they would still be terrified by it 
Yeah, uh, it's my number one too, Justin. You probably knew that, but um, I didn't know that actually. I'm very surprised, but <laughs> yeah, I, I fucking love this movie, man. I, you know, this is the seminal slasher film. I mean, Halloween came along four years later and really like jump started that genre. And every movie that came out after that for the next decade was basically mimicking uh, Halloween and John Carpenter's style of filmmaking. But, you know, the point of view shot in this movie, that even that we get from the opening frame of this movie. That's right. Uh, walking into the to the sorority house, you know, the way it's shot, it's a very unsettling type of filmmaking that's, that kind of was er, the earliest signs of, like, atmospheric horror um, is what Bob Clark was able to capture in Black Christmas. And some of the Im- imagery in this film is just so unsettling, like, you know, the body upstairs wrapped in plastic that just kind of sitting in front of the window for the entire night, you know, it's just sitting there. It's just kind of taunting in the you rocking chair. Yeah. In the rocking chair, yeah. And uh, ends up making the poster as well, which I thought was a nice touch. Uh, from a marketing perspective. But yeah, you know, you mentioned Olivia Hussey on when we did our Women of Horror. I mean, just a great performance. There's, there's a lot of things that you see in Black Christmas in 1974. And I feel like, and I'm not saying us dudes that, that are sitting here talking, but a lot of horror fans, like modern horror fans, like, because I showed this to my daughter a couple years ago and I introduced it to her and rewatched it and she saw it for the first time. And I feel like she was a perfect example of what I'm saying, where a lot of the fans today take that stuff for granted and they see it and yeah. they come to it so many years later and they just don't realize like, you know, everything that you love about movies that have come out in the last, you know, 10 to 20 years, guess what? <laughs> that started somewhere. Those tropes were invented right. by different filmmakers and by different films. You know, I mean, even like The Caller, I mean, in Scream. I mean, come on, you know, he's calling Drew Barrymore in the opening scene. I mean, dude, you know, even, even, you know, earlier than that, when a stranger calls in right, Halloween. Yeah, right. I mean, it was all these elements that you saw in later movies that kind of originated as far as in American cinema, or I should say Canadian here, um, with this movie. And I think the other thing that I love so much about this movie is that it constantly builds tension. It's a slow tension, but it builds constantly throughout the movie. It's that element of you don't really know where the dude is. Mm-hmm. You don't know where the killer is. He could be anywhere. And that's really what plays even, I would even have to say, even better in Halloween. But it started here, where you don't see a lot of anything. It's all in your mind. So that theater of the mind plays out perfectly with this film. And Mm. it is very terrifying. Especially, you know, back then, they considered, like, who's the most vulnerable? Oh, a whole group of women in a house alone. Mm. Um, And they played it out perfectly. Still terrifying. In the calls themselves, the recordings, when you listen to them now, (laughs) um, they're fucking terrifying. Terrifying. I mean, they really like, are. I mean, I was going to mention that too. I mean, just imagine receiving that call in the middle of the night at your house. <laughs> I mean, you're going to tell me you're not shitting your pants? I mean, come on. I mean, it's it, they really are creepy and they really capture kind of the essence of this film. And then the last thing I was going to mention about Black Christmas, which is my number one, I want to hear what Jeff has to say about it as well. But, you know, again, we're talking about a seminal moment, in my opinion. But the scene when Barb is killed and the killer, again, point of view shot. She thinks she's having a dream and she's talking about how she had a nightmare about somebody in her room. Um, and then we come to find out it wasn't a dream. He really is in your room. You're just drunk. And then he comes back in her room and he kills her with a glass unicorn. 
like figurine or whatever, and it comes up over his head. It's a point of view shot. One of the most iconic shots oh, yeah. in the entire movie. Oh, just unbelievable. And then later in that, when we see the eyeball through the crack in the door, you know, just shit like that is so atmospheric, so creepy, so scary, especially if, you, if you're able to transport yourself back to 1974 and think about what audience has had to work with then you know what i mean they didn't have what we have today where it's just like a bloodbath you know whenever there's a horror movie now that wasn't the case tension in the 70s, suspense so. baby and i'll say just- one last thing i promise then i'll shut up <laughs> okay yeah good margot sure, kidder yeah. margot kidder talking about turtles mating there it is that's the fucking movie love the movie because of that i love her so yeah. much I, God rest her soul. Seriously, yeah. she was a gem in the world of movies. I love her so, so much. So there it I, is. That's my thoughts. I'll be quiet. Jeff, what, I, what do I you, agree. apparently you love this movie too, or it would, it would not have been on your list at some point. Uh, it is by far and away the greatest piece of cinema that we have discussed tonight. You know, it's, yes. it is a better film than Christmas Evil. It's, you know, it not quite as much about Christmas. So like the way that I was defining my list, I, it kind of got bumped down a little bit and then it got bumped out because I was doing one Christmas, right? One Christmas movie. But man, this film is so important historically and everything about it is impressive for the time and even still today, including Olivia Hussey's character. I When I watch it annually, at least once, if not twice, um, I'm always amazed at how strong her character is because she's a woman in 1974. She's pregnant. She's going to have an abortion. Her boyfriend's like, no, you can't do this. And she's like, it's my body. <laughs> so like her bodily autonomy, you know, that she expresses and the fact that she's the one who's still it's like the cops are like, leave, get out of the house. And she's like, no, I'm going to get my friends. Forget that. Like, mm-hmm. she's so strong, such a strong character. And yeah, Margot Kidder. All of the little characters, like the guy who's playing the uh, the Santa Claus, and he's like swearing in front of the children. Oh, That's yeah. one of my favorite scenes of the movie. <laughs> so, the um, the when she gives the cop the phone number and the and it's like <laughs> right. fellatio. Yeah. All right, he doesn't get the joke until much later, <laughs> or actually, he never gets the joke. Really, and they're just <laughs> laughing at him. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, we're all in agreement. Black Christmas, not only a great holiday horror film, but just such an important film, you know, in movie history. And I hope people seek it out if for some reason they have not seen it. It's December, guys. Find Black Christmas and put it on because it is a cinematic classic and really in any genre, if I'm being honest. Yeah. So there yeah, we go, dude. 100%. So there we go. That's our uh, collectively our top five holiday horror films. Now, look. You guys are on the P's, so I can only assume you brought some honorable mentions with you. Uh, if you didn't, no pressure. But Jeff, what do you have over there? Do you have some movies you want to shout out that didn't cut the top five? All right, things we haven't mentioned because uh, I was I was pulling together as many holidays as I could. Right, so uh, you've got Astron Six's Father's Day, which is wild. What a <laughs> trip that is. Uh, in terms of St. Patrick's Day, I just thought of Maniac Cop earlier, which I guess could have been better. But I want to champion a weird little, it looks like it's made for TV, a movie called Red Clover with Billy Zane in it. He's got a monologue that is unbelievable. It's unparalleled in terms of weirdness, except by Gremlins. It's like his Gremlins monologue, but with leprechauns <laughs> in the movie. Um, Attack the Block. 
is on Guy Fox Day, so that counts. Okay, I was gonna say what well, I was gonna say what holiday? Okay, <laughs> right? All right. Sure, I was, yeah. I was really straight. I was like, man, yeah, no, that's Guy Fox Day. There we go. I I told you I went wild on this one. And uh, for New Year's, there's a movie by Norman J. Warren called Bloody New Year. And it's just so trippy. I watched it this last New Year's Eve with friends. And it's like people show up on this island and then just reality starts breaking down. And it's a British horror movie. It's super. Everything is so surreal and strange. So uh, there you go. Check, good check list, those man. weird things out. Yeah, good list. A lot of rare gems, too, which you, you're good about that when you come on the piece. So I appreciate it, man. <laughs> I try. Uh, yeah, man, you do good. Justin, did you bring any honorables with you, brother? Of course. You know I did. Way too many to list all of them, but I tried <laughs> to keep it to five. All right, good. Or else I'll, I won't shut up, and this episode will be longer than it should. Um, The one that you reached out to me about that recently just received a 4K Ultra HD release by Vinegar Syndrome, Ooh. Dial Code Santa Claus, also yeah. known as Deadly Games from 1989. And why did I reach out to you about that? Because I've never well, fucking seen it. Because you want to watch it. it. And, yeah, and unfortunately, yeah. boutique labels such as Vinegar Syndrome do not provide you with digital codes, or else I would have been like, here, bro, well, you can, can have I, it. Is it streaming? I haven't checked it. Does anybody know? I don't know. It was on Shutter sure. last year. Oh, well, year. then I'm good then. Yeah. Oh, last year. Okay. It, it, uh, might, it probably uh, still is. I mean, you know. I got to see this one, man. I got to see this one. I've heard uh, Justin Aloysius talk about it a few times. Yeah, and, uh, dude. So we... we came yeah. upon it I think two years ago and then last year during Christmas time we screened it at Alamo Draft House for our film club and the audience loved it it's just so bonkers and insane and it came out right before Home Alone and has like all of the same elements so it's really <laughs> weird I, apparently on the Blu-ray there's a documentary with the director it's like an hour and a half and he explains all that so I can't wait to dig into that but I promise Lois right. I wouldn't do it without him so that one's on there of course Blood Rage which is Thanksgiving mm-hmm. everything Jeff said earlier earlier 100% correct um, New Year's Evil which I watch every single <laughs> New Year's Eve with my wife she likes that one which shocks me because nice. she's not like a huge horror fan like me but she really does enjoy that one um, April Fool's Day with Amy Steele you mm-hmm. can't beat that one and of course uh, one that I screened last year for our Terror Tuesday film club Terror Train starring Jamie Lee Curtis oh yeah oh, good, one. good one for New Year's so yeah baby Good one. The screen that's it. I'll shut up. Shout-outs there. No, that's good, man. So I, you're not going to shut up because you're going to get on me about my m- number six. But guess what, dude? You ready? It's Jaws is my number six. Yeah. <laughs> I will literally. Yeah. I will me. literally. You beat me. Come Spank over me. there yeah. and smack the shit out of you. <laughs> Listen. Okay. I'm I'm one of the few people oh, on this man. planet. Jaws is not a horror movie. It's in my top five <laughs> movies of all time. Yeah, Jaws I is know. not a horror movie. I know. I'll you've, just say that. you've done this. You've we've I've. We've been around this block before, shall we say? <laughs> um, but but I, I will. But I was. But I was on Martha's Vineyard. For, you did, yeah. Actually, you right, right did around Fourth re- of July. Right yeah, around I was to say, actually, July, you did so. a really cool. You did a really cool video that's on your you guys YouTube. So everybody should check that out if they haven't yet. But it's okay if if you want to consider it that. I'm not well, going to hate you for it. I look, still man, love you. It's just any time. Like if. <laughs> There's a few movies, right, where it's like, if they fit on a list, I'm going to find a way to get them on there. Like, All right. <laughs> no, I Jaws, get it. I get it. You know, Jaws is one of the ones for me. It's also in, in my top films of all time. And I just showed it to my seven-year-old son for the first time, like a month ago. And he was like, you know, drawing like Jaws art. And he's like, just mesmerized by it. He thought it was so cool. Dude, and, I remember the text I got from you. You yeah, were like, dude, what do you think, man? I was, well, like, I was like, go for it, dude. Go for it. Yeah. So we did it. And he's okay i think <laughs> so yeah. it worked. <laughs> i mean al just watched uh, it oh yeah and he dug it too yeah. oh man yeah he loved it I, except he was like you know dad 
it wasn't that scary. Yeah, my son did something similar. He he at the end he was like, "Oh, well, that wasn't that bad. I'll still go in the ocean." And I was like, "Well, you thought you weren't going to go in the ocean anymore after seeing it? And you still watched it?" Um, I didn't, and I still don't because of it. So thank you, Steven Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So my number seven uh, calls back a little bit to your Wicker Man pick, Jeff, but it's Midsummer from oh, Mr. Yeah. Ari Aster. Uh, I actually went on the Epic Film Guys a couple years ago when it came out and talked to him and Nick about that movie. But I love Aster-style filmmaking, along with Jordan Peele and Robert Eggers. He's definitely one of my favorite filmmakers working today. And he just takes this just... It, again, it's the juxtaposition, which is what we're talking about anyway with holiday and horror. But it's like this terrifying trippy ride in broad daylight you know and it's just something new and i love I already talked a little bit about how he displays the kills in that movie that i thought were very artistic and well done it takes a while to get there you know we don't really get a lot uh, from a killing horror perspective till the final act but i think the payoff is well worth the wait and the ominous build is great in that movie florence Pugh is a goddamn uh, fucking she deserved the may queen uh, trophy that she received <laughs> she's fucking amazing it's so also I love, I love midsummer I have to say that going back to what I was saying about Wicker Man, when I left the theater uh, after watching Midsummer with a friend of mine, he was like, whoa, man, like he was really unsettled. But I found it really uplifting. Like I, I, I left going, you know, good for her. You you go, girl. You you found your people. Finally. Oh, <laughs> I mean, man. that's maybe right. the wrong way to watch it, but that's how it hit me. Well, you know, Florence Pugh as an actress, too, in what you're saying, in that final sequence where it's the close-up on her face and she kind of looks terrified, but she slowly turns from terrifying to, like, kind of like at peace almost. Yeah. And you just get that from her expression, you know? Um, so a lot to be said for her performance there. Let's see. My number eight is a movie that I just watched, and it made my list. That's how much I, I liked it. But it's a finished film called Rare Exports. Oh. Have you guys seen it? Yeah. Justin, have you seen Rare Exports? Yes, I did a few years back. Yes, sir. Yeah, I literally just saw it a couple days ago, and I'm like, wow, fuck, I've, I loved it. But, you know, the premise is there's, uh, they're doing this, these archaeologists are doing this dig, and they end up unearthing what is to believe to be kind of this historical Santa Claus, but I won't give too much away because I feel like if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. There's a really cool plot twist built into the movie. Some great effects. And again, very atmospheric. I really liked it. Uh, my number nine, you guys already mentioned, would have been My Bloody Valentine. And then my number 10 is a movie that I really didn't think I was going to like and I liked. I saw it a couple years ago, but it's a movie called Better Watch Out. I haven't it's a lot seen, of fun, man. Yeah, I haven't seen Dial Code Santa Claus, but I feel like it's probably a similar premise. It's a home invasion film, and it has a lot of kind of the home alone tropes built into it. But there is a giant left turn that this movie takes about halfway through that I thought was, well, it was unexpected for me. It's been told to me, and I don't know because I didn't hear about this movie when it came out, but it was told to me by a couple people after the fact that the trailers gave away that. Oh. Um, yeah, that's right. I'm pretty sure one of the trailers did. But I didn't see the trailer, so I guess maybe I enjoyed it more not having seen the trailer. But I better watch out, I think, is on Shutter right now and possibly on Amazon Prime, too, I think. So if you want to watch that this holiday season, don't watch the trailer because I feel like it'll have a better impact on you if you don't see the plot twist coming. So... Uh, that would be my number 10. So there you go, guys. That's our uh, holiday horror films. You know, guys, this was a blast. I mean, it's Christmas time, so a lot of normal people might not be thinking about horror films, but guess what the three of us are doing? <laughs> We're sitting around <laughs> thinking about horror films. <laughs> so I figured let's get together and let's talk about them. So it was a, it was a lot of fun. You guys are great and uh, two of my favorite people to have on the show. Jeff, why don't you tell everybody, man, where they can find you and Al over there at CadaverCast, brother? Yeah, so CadaverCast, we're like on... 
Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and, you know, all the social media, whatever. Uh, look for us. And if you don't find us there, yell at me and I'll, I'll put us there because I'm a busy guy. So sometimes, <laughs> you know, I overlook things like that. But uh, it's a show that I uh, co-host with my eight-year-old son. We've been doing it since he was four. And uh, yeah, to, to, to see that journey that he's taken from, you know, barely able to watch anything to, you know, watching Jaws and he watched Halloween last year. And like he's, you know, it, it's been it's been crazy. And to have that all documented, you know, I'm very proud of that. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. It's a great show. That's great, amazing. It really is a great show. It's a great premise. And it, uh, you know, I, I have a little bit of envy over here, man. I, I like what you're doing there with Al because, you know, my son's roughly the same age. He's seven. So and just a real quick shout out too for Al. We the last time you were on the show, Jeff, we did our scariest movie movie scenes mm-hmm. and I just thought of this right now as you were talking but um, when Al did his five because he gave us a five he submitted he picked a scene from Krampus yeah he did he's yeah I'd, <laughs> with he's, her her under the truck right? he talks about it all the time because it was two years ago he convinced <laughs> me to let him try he was like dad let me try I'll tell you yeah. if it gets too scary you got to let me try uh-huh. and we got to her under the truck and he goes okay please turn right, it I'm off good. i'm done <laughs> yeah, i'm good i'm good oh man well thanks for coming back brother it's always a blast oh, man thanks here, for man. having me this was fun absolutely and uh, of course merry christmas to you brother you too justin and justin justin epic film guy man you, you you're doing it over there you and loy sauce tell them where That's they can right. tell them where they can find you tell them what you this is coming out in december but tell them what's in the pipeline man the movie podcast your mother warned you about we ain't going fucking anywhere people for those listening we're here to stay baby uh we are kicking some shit out to your ears very soon here we just had our home alone 30th anniversary retrospective killing it on the mm-hmm. airwaves so we're super excited to bring you guys more stuff in the next month we're actually going to be throwing it out to our listeners to let them decide what they want to hear in good old december but um as of right. right now like i said if you're listening to this in december that means you can go check out our b-side from thanksgiving blood rage also known as slasher we have plenty of stuff up our sleeves see listen i'm sitting here stumbling over my words and i'm fucking sober get me a drink over here that's the problem man that's the problem you haven't had anything to drink in the, the whole month uh, oh but yeah man. We're, we're we're literally everywhere you can find podcasts so yep. go look, find us. Look them wherever. up, guys. Epic Film Guys and Cadavercast. Make sure you guys look both of them up, especially if you are if you love horror because they, they do discuss that frequently and they're a blast. So thank you guys so much for being here. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate you guys being here for this episode. Wouldn't have missed it for the world. All right. All right, guys. We'll be back next week. We will have another top five for you and another pee on the pod. I'll see you guys then. Take care.
Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. Please check the show notes for a current list of all of our executive producers. If you would like to join them to help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.